0: So there's this buyer's agent, right? And he always says that you should buy premium Sydney property because premium Sydney property grows the most. So I put that on my Facebook group and almost everyone agreed that that's not the case and that was just totally wrong. But there was this one guy that DM'd me and he was like, PK, what do you know about property? Look at your face, and by the way, yeah, I have just shaved, so I do look like a baby. But he's like, stay on your lane. Everyone knows that my clients buy predominantly property under five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. So he was like, mate, stay in your lane. Don't comment on Vaucluse. Don't comment on the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Those property prices go up. You've only been investing for 10 to 15 years. You don't know Australian property. I replied to him that you don't need to be 60 years old to understand property because even though i wasn't born in the 70s the data was there and the data is there for everyone to look at and understand going back actually more than 50 years it's like saying a 20 year old can't be a great football player because they haven't been in the era of pele of maradona they haven't lived through those times well they've learned from those times they've understood how football the weight of the balls the pitch quality the tactics have evolved they've studied the past and become better than most of the players in the past, okay? But he still didn't realize his error. So I thought, let me do an episode that proves once and for all whether you should buy in Sydney and Melbourne alone and in the premium suburbs versus buying cheap property, quote unquote, inexpensive, which performs better over the long term, which is a better idea to invest in? The blue chip close to the CBD slash ocean, $1 million plus category versus the inexpensive around 500K or lower high yielding category, which is the better property investing strategy? Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online, and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Okay, I'm gonna go through eight points, okay? And this is the first one. Number one, increase in median prices. Let's just cut to the chase and tell you what performs better, all right? So you might think, and by the way, this data is from the Real Estate Institute of Australia you might think that, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, and you'd be forgiven for thinking that, are where all the jobs are. Globally, people may not know about Brisbane, but they know about Sydney, they know about Melbourne, that's where the Melbourne Open is, that's where the Formula One is, that's where the jobs are in Sydney, the banking industry is, that's where all the immigrants want to come and live. You'd be forgiven for thinking that is the global city, those are the best places to buy, and especially the premium side of things. But what does the data say? Over the last 20 years, Okay, houses versus other dwellings, houses means detached, other means apartments and units. Now let's just cut out the yellow, these other dwellings because really you shouldn't be buying apartments and things like that. Let's just look at houses. All right, so you've got the nominal increase, city by city, and the real increase. That's obviously stripping out or normalizing for inflation. Sydney. In the last 20 years has gone up 109% in real terms. Now, of course, you'll be like, well, I'm sure it's more than doubled since then, PK. This is in real terms, all right? This is actually what matters. Melbourne, 97%. So Melbourne's not not actually even doubled in the last 20 years. Brisbane, 149%, okay? 149% capital growth in the last 20 years in real terms. Adelaide, 137% Perth, 75% Canberra, 167% Hobart, 269%, 78% Darwin, and 104% for Australia. What is the insight out of this? The insight is Sydney and Melbourne have underperformed Hobart, they've underperformed Canberra, they've underperformed Brisbane, they've underperformed Adelaide, And Melbourne, for those of you who think Melbourne's going to become the biggest city in Australia, which it is according to population forecasts in about 10, 15 years, Melbourne's actually underperformed Australia as an average. And this doesn't even include regional areas, some of which have outperformed all of these capital cities, what to speak of just Sydney and Melbourne. So for those people out there who are like, PK... You know, you just shaved, you look like a baby, what do you know about property investing? I do agree with the first part partially. But seriously, this is just data. And look, you can take 10 years of data, you can take 30 years of data, you can take 50 years of data, you contextualize it and you'll come to the same conclusion. Sydney and Melbourne do not always outperform other capital cities. In fact, as a nuance to that statement, what's also interesting is that expensive property, let's say in Sydney, Melbourne, especially in the more premium suburbs, where you'd expect only rich people to live, right? Like that actually outperforms in times of boom and underperforms in times of bust. So it's much more volatile than your typical average median property, which doesn't outperform on the boom, doesn't underperform on the bust, but overall outperforms but it's more steady, more gradual. So what would you rather be? Would you rather be the tortoise or the hare? Okay, we all know the moral of that story. The second point I want to make is that premium property, even though the leverage that rich quote unquote people have who are buying in the eastern suburbs Manly, Vaucluse, etc of Sydney, you know, Hawthorn's, Tourex, St Kilda's of Melbourne, Ascot, Hamilton, balimbas of brisbane you might think that these are the best blue chip properties locations right like you can't go wrong And you might think that, oh, well, LVR is lower there because people are more well-off, they don't need as much debt. That's true, but these locations are more correlated with the stock market and business fortune. So even though their loan amount isn't as big, you might think, oh, someone battling away in a 400k suburb, their loan is 90% LVR, 80% LVR, so interest rates have more of an impact. Well, actually, these areas that are more expensive are more beta, higher beta, they have more volatility because as the economy grows and shrinks these people's businesses where they've made money goes up and down or if they're executives ceos c-suite they get fired and hired okay so the beta or the volatility is just so much bigger in expensive suburbs and sydney melbourne versus affordable cities and affordable suburbs the third thing is that yields are important so i always say cash flow is the oil and capital growth is The engine, of course we want capital growth. That's the engine, right? That's what really counts. And we just demonstrated that affordable property, affordable capital cities, generally speaking, outperform over the long term than just Sydney, Melbourne. But Sydney, Melbourne also have the lowest yield. So if you have low yield, you don't have oil in that engine, even if it does fire, it's gonna like putt-putt out because there's no oil in that. Yields in Sydney, Melbourne are like under 3%, mostly speaking, and everywhere else in Australia, they're much, much higher than that. So if you really want to be able to retain that property, property portfolio, as interest rates go up and down through the cycle, you need that oil going through the pipes of the engine. Otherwise, you'll be like, oh, damn it. You know, I I have this amazing property that's growing, but I can't afford to hold on to it. Interest rates have gone up so much. That's why yield is important. And in Sydney, Melbourne, you don't get that. Now the fourth thing is rents. Okay, Rents in affordable places go up more over the long term on a percentage basis than they do in expensive locations, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, because it's really hard for rent to go from 1,000 a week to 2,000, compared to rent going from 400 a week to 800 a week. There's just much more of the population in that center point in a normal distribution curve. More people are towards the average than not, statistically speaking. So that's why the typical property is in more demand and it is more demand by the average tenant. And there's more of those people in the world, or especially in Australia, therefore rents go up for the average person at a higher amount. So it's very important to understand not just property investing in terms of capital growth, but how your cash flow will improve or not improve depending on where you buy. The fifth thing that I wanna talk about is recency bias. Now, Sydney property prices have done remarkably well in the last 10 years. And for those of you in Sydney, you probably hear at the water cooler, at the barbecue, at gatherings with friends about how amazing it would have been to buy in Sydney five or 10 years ago. And so that creates FOMO that I want to buy in Sydney, Melbourne, right now. But the fact is that you can't look at a 10-year picture or window in isolation. For example, if you're having those conversations at the barbecue 10 years ago, like let's say 2012, 2013, people would have been saying the last 10 years, 22, 2002, 2003 onwards, Sydney property prices don't grow because growth was flat from about 2003 to 2012. In fact, at that same time, Adelaide was booming, it more than doubled, so it's like you can't just take recency buyers and say that's a fact, you can't just say what other people are saying, my colleagues, my friends, what they have missed out on, what they have achieved is what I should base my investment decisions on, you need know, to step back and understand the cycles of different capital cities and regional areas and make more informed decisions instead of saying, oh man, you know, that greed comes out, oh man, that my friend, my colleague, he, you know, has property doubled in the last 10 years in Sydney, to help with it, I'm just gonna buy in Sydney now, because better late than never. Actually, that could be the biggest mistake. Look interstate. You know how those people who say, like, blue chip property is always in demand, like, buy five to 10 kilometers from the CBD, you know, like, really nice streets with those trees that form sort of tunnels, like, really leafy and, like, fresh and lush every house has a picket fence or a gate you know like the neighbor's house is like five meters away like those are the types of properties that you should be investing in like, that's all not true. Once again, like for those of you who understand data, you just have to go back to even like 2011, 2012, where these premium properties in Sydney, like I'll pick on vault clues, like that's obviously premium, premium, premium. You'd expect property prices always to do well there, right? Like in 2011, 2012, you couldn't sell a property in Vaucluse, even if you wanted to. Like, days on market were well above 150, which means it's taking like three, four, five, six months to even try to sell a property. And look, they have the greenest, leafiest streets with the biggest, whitest picket fences with the houses further away from each other. So all these kind of myths myths and misnomers, like you have to see past them. Doesn't matter if a property person is telling you this and they have this amazing podcast or not, you have to understand what the data is saying. And the last point that I'll share, number seven I think we're on, is that to actually build a property portfolio beyond two, three, four properties, you need high yield, because if you don't buy high yield properties, the bank will say, like, sorry, I know that you earn 100, 150, maybe even 200K, but your borrowing capacity is capped out. If you buy affordable properties with high yield, without sacrificing that capital growth, like I've just demonstrated, You will be able to buy more properties now. It's not a race. Okay, no one cares about how many properties you have. It's the portfolio value. It's the portfolio value that matters. Okay, because that portfolio value is what grows, okay? And that portfolio value times, you know, 3, 4, 5, 6% yield is what gives you that passive income. But when you have this one blue chip asset, let's say that's worth $800, 1000000 $1.2 million, even though it's doubled in the last 10 years, It's costing you $20,000, $25,000 to hold every year. And the bank's like, nah, we're not going to loan you anything. Compare that to someone who has three properties at just $500,000. The yield is 5% plus. They've got a $1.5 million property portfolio diversified and they can go more because their borrowing capacity allows because their cash flow yield is higher. But they can't say they have a blue chip asset, but actually they're retiring much sooner than you who owns one blue chip asset guys these were the seven points of why you should not invest in sydney melbourne of course there's exceptions to everything but i'm just trying to get in those minds just rattle around the the in the heads of those people especially in sydney melbourne who have done really well in Sydney and Melbourne that say you should only buy in Sydney, Melbourne, blue chip assets. That is wrong. My name's PK. And guys, like, don't listen to me. I might be making this stuff up. Always go and understand the data because the data within the six inches of your two ears, that is what makes you a, this kind of sounds cheesy a millionaire, but more importantly, like that's what gets you out of the nine to five and gets you your life back. All right, go invest in yourself because no one else will. Catch you later.